Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. We are coming to you from our top secret headquarters at Project Quantum Leap, but you can find us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fate's Wide Wheel. And please do us a favor by hitting the subscribe button on iTunes. Hello, everybody. Hello, welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel, Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. Um, we have a we special have, guest today. We do. She's a special guest in this. and out. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, uh, Jessica. Hattie was in my lap, and now and now Jessica is taking her away. But that's how we do things here at Face Wide Wheel: keeping it all in the family, keeping it fast and loose. And oh yeah, we know, do. Yeah. There's uh, no rules. Yeah, like I said, at some point Harrison will be popping in. Him and Mom are about ready to go grocery shopping here in a few minutes, so I'm sure they'll be uh, they'll be popping in here in a little bit. Fantastic. How was, how was your week, Sam? <sighs> You know, um, while not necessarily as dramatic as the ending of last weekend, this week was probably shittier in the whole. Um, it just kind of went from terrible to really terrible, and it's 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 hard for those of us, I think, that feel similarly um, and, and might lean a certain way politically, I think, to have faith in the system at this point um, and and to not feel as though we've failed in some very big way. Um, and I think, you know, I, I'll keep the comments short and just to that, but I do think that it's kind of apropos that we have this episode to talk about because there are definitely some bigger picture things uh-huh. that um, even in the episode itself, which is something incredibly rare, a character actually utters the words, you know, liberals feel this way and conservatives feel this way. Yes. I, yes. Yeah. I, um, uh, I did make that note that we hear that word a lot. Yeah. Uh, and it's, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and, and, and in addition to it being rare, you know, it's obviously very topical right now mm-hmm. yeah the thing the thing i uh the, the note that i took is that i i tend to think of the words like liberal and conservative as such shorthand buzzwords like most mm. of like from the last like 15 20 years or so sure. uh to hear that word uh especially liberals like to hear those words like sprinkled so much throughout like the first like 10 minutes of the episode i was like oh wow yeah yeah um, the, the, yeah, kind of some, yes, some things that went over my head when I was a kid, I guess I'm saying. Sure. No, I, I, I completely understand that. And, and I certainly would have been in the same exact boat because with this episode, you know, not to skip ahead too much, but with this episode, there are certain scenes that absolutely stood out. Well, I guess I'm not skipping ahead. This is where we are in the format, right? Yeah. When I was a kid, sure. uh, a yeah. couple of things that stood out to the episode that I remembered were, um, Al finding the bullet. Yep. Um, and you, you know, when you think about that in terms of the whole episode, it's very much a, you know, science fiction, fancy device technology sort of thing, a magic kind of thing that clearly would probably appeal to a child. Plus there's even a child in the scene. Um, and, and which, you know, which again was something that kind of stood out that I, that I remembered. Um, I, I, I think I remember how passionate, um, you know, Sam was throughout the episode and for good reason, the stakes are very high. um, but but the rest of it was very broad strokes. There weren't a lot of other specifics that I really remembered about the episode. Um, you know, I couldn't even I couldn't even remember for sure 
the ending. Like once it started, once it started getting closer, I was like, Oh, right now I remember. Um, but, but at first it was not something that was just like right in my head. So, which by the way, the ending, when we get there, I, I have, I have something that I want to say about that, but I'll save it for later. Okay. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> what about yes. you? What were they? Uh, so what I remember from this episode, uh, yes. And you're talking about like the Al using the hand link to find the bullet. Um, that's something I remember very well as a kid. I had forgotten that there was a kid in that scene, and that's how he was able to get through to uh, uh, to Teresa. Yeah. Uh, in that moment, uh, and I remember the situation, and I also remember uh, the whole monologue explaining the title of the episode, mm-hmm. where last stands before an ex- before an execution, where that comes from. Nice. I did not uh, remember so, that. Yeah, so that's what I remember strongly. And um, I, I'd i probably say I haven't watched this episode in well over a decade. Oh, yeah. Same here. Same here. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, this is not just one that you just pop in like, oh, I just feel like killing some time. Let's uh, let's just kick back with a little quantum leap. Let's watch some more where he lives into an electric chair. No, because, you know, the interesting thing is, is that with the exception maybe of black and white on fire, um, I feel like a lot of the other strong episodes that we've, that we've spoken about, um, aren't quite this dark and heavy, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, color of truth. I feel like there's, there's an element to that episode that in spite of the bigger themes and some of the darker, you know, uh, um, messages that it's dealing with, um, is that there's something kind of fun about the episode at the same time. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's because it was so new and you're so early in the run. I don't know. Um, uh, but there are, yeah, there are episodes where it just doesn't quite feel that way. I mean, uh, yeah. uh, uh that, that, that might be a little heavier in nature and yet don't feel quite as, as dark as this sure. one does. Cause this one feels incredibly dark. Um, it does. Yeah. E- even, even to the point that when you get to the end, it's hard to breathe a sigh of relief. Yes. And I have some thoughts about that. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I, I wonder if we have the same thoughts. I think we do. Yeah. <laughs> so let's uh, let's name the episode. This is Last Dance Before an Execution. Yes, it is. And a Last Dance Before an Execution aired originally on May the first, nineteen ninety one. Uh, 26 days before I would have turned 10 years old. Oh, wow. Um, the leap date is May 12th, 1971. Um, the writer is Deborah Pratt. She's credited with the teleplay. Uh, however, the story credit goes to Bill Bigelow, Don Belisario, and Deborah Pratt. Um, it makes sense. This feels this feels like it could be a Pratt episode. You it know? does, yeah, um, without a doubt. Uh, our director is Michael W. Watkins, who is credited as Michael Watkins uh, for the episode. Um, he's actually a winner of a couple of Emmys, um, been nominated multiple times for NYPD Blue, um, and actually won for Quantum Leap: The Leap Home. Uh, part two for cinematography, and then one the previous year for Quantum Leap, Pool Hall Blues, Aha! also for yes. cinematography. Um, so yeah, good on good on Michael Watkins. Yeah. He was working working the camera, and now he's directing. So yeah. Speaking uh, of another episode where the hand link gets to do some fancy things, right? That's actually that's a great point. I wonder if that might have been 
you know, it's like, oh, remember that one episode where we did the thing, and yeah, I was the cameraman for that. Now let's, you know, yeah, let's do, let's the, do yeah. that again in the one I'm going to direct. Why let's, not? Let's do the other thing. Uh, is interesting note: this episode had 12.5 million viewers. Wow. And uh, let's do the TV guy description, and then I have an extra bonus description that I want to throw at you. Oh, you have. I can't thing? wait. But before we do that, I want, one other thing I want to mention about Michael Watkins is that uh, he had directed a little miracle prior to this. He will direct Hurricane Unchained, A Song for the Soul, and Killing Time after this. Um, and we are in. Uh, do we ever get what part of Florida we're in? I don't think we do. Oh, uh, according to Matt's book, we're in Tallahassee, Florida. Okay. Well, maybe that's just where the prison is or something. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, and um, Sam has leapt into Jesus Ortega, um, and he's about ready to be put to death in the electric chair. Yes. So uh, speaking of, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the TV Guide description, and then I'm going to give you a bonus description oh boy. that I just found last night. I can only imagine. So the TV Guide description, Sam, Scott Bakula leaps on the death row where his life depends on learning the truth about the murder that put him there. That's a pretty mild TV guy description. No puns. Straightforward. Yeah, straightforward, exactly. Straight to the point. Uh, but uh, as I've said in the, in the most previous episodes, I've, I've taken to watching these episodes on Hulu instead oh, of sure. the blue. Uh, Hulu has the, has the captions that are very helpful when we're watching it, when Harrison is sleeping. Let me read you Hulu's description. Oh boy. Let me pull it up here. I know what you're thinking. (laughs) Jesus Ortega is being strapped into an electric chair. Sam hears the advice. Just think of someplace far away as he leaps into Ortega's doomed body. Wow. That's a really good good teaser. Yeah. Well, you know, it is interesting because when, when I, uh, Jessica didn't watch this episode with me, you know, it's been very difficult for us to watch these together. Sometimes she'll kind of come in and out or whatnot, uh, recently, but quite honestly, with the exception of some of the late night TV watching that we might do, uh, she, she rarely gets to watch this with me because I'm, I'm most of the time watching them during the day. And, you know, while one of us is doing something, the other is usually on Hattie duty. And if I, if Hattie's with me and I'm watching the episode, then, you know, Jess is cleaning or doing something else, you know, having some time for herself, that sort of stuff. So, um, so yeah, she hadn't seen this one and she asked me what the episode was about that we were going to be talking about tonight. And so, uh, I told her about the leap in. <laughs> she was just like, oh, oh wow. <laughs> oh, did she say, oh, God? <laughs> she, she may have, actually. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, just that. But, yeah, that, that Hulu description is, is enough to certainly, I think, pique some interest. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that perfectly summed up the beginning. Yeah, this, um, uh, the, the other Quantum Leap podcast, Back to the Future, they always do a danger rating. Of, of the situation that Sam physically leaps into. I, I think this is like 11 out of 10. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, I can't, I cannot think. well, it's funny because again, when we talk about the end, I'll bring this up again, but there is an episode coming up very shortly where the leap in is very similar to this. However, the consequences are not nearly as dire. Um, so this definitely takes the cake. I can't think of many other leap-ins that would even come close to this. No, yeah. It was, uh, 
uh, Betsy, she she did watch the episode with me last night, and her comment was like, "This would have been a hell of a way to end the series." Oh man. <laughs> Whew. Yeah, if the last thing you see is Al like pleading with Sam, leap, leap, leap Sam, leap, leap and yeah. then the, the switch gets pulled, the blue light goes, it fades to black. <laughs> Sam Beckett never returned home. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, so basically, if you haven't watched this episode in a while, you haven't picked up on the context clues. Sam leaps into the electric chair just as he's about ready to be executed. Yeah. Uh, but he does get a reprieve by the phone ringing. Uh, and you did mention last week in the, in these moments, we get some great uses of the mirror image effect. Yeah. By showing Jesus's reflection in the, uh, in the pane of glass separating him and the, and the observers. It's really, yeah, it's really pretty cool. Actually. I was, um, I don't know. I just, I was surprised when I caught it, you know, I, I, um, I mean, let's face it. It's not always our ability when I think we've admitted this before the podcast to pay, you know, attention to every minute detail. We're not, you know, that's not necessarily what we do with this podcast. Um, so, you know, the fact that I caught that, I was watching it, it definitely stood out and I was like, Oh man, that's, that's interesting. That's not something that we usually get. Sure. Um, yeah, so he gets the reprieve, the governor is called, and not only does he get a reprieve, um, but his co-conspirator, if you will, yeah. um, also is granted a reprieve. Raul, um, yes. Yeah, Raul. And and we get a really nice scene, um, not to skip ahead, but when um, Sam is brought back to his cell, Raul is in his cell in tears, you know, extremely emotional over... Um, what has just transpired and, yeah. and is, you know, is very grateful, um, to Jesus. Um, and we get some great storytelling in there, but before, before I get too far, uh, I definitely want to mention Julio Oscar Machoso, who plays Raul, unfortunately passed away, uh, last November of a heart attack. He was only 62 years old. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, but his career, I mean, on IMDb, he has 129 credits so he packed a hell of a lot in, um, mm-hmm. you know, going from the mid eighties, starting with playing a hangar guard in flight of the navigator, which let me just tell you, if you were a five-year-old kid and your grandma took you to that movie, you thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Um, he also had a eight episode stint on, um, Miami vice, um, Things really picked up for him, quite frankly, shortly after this uh, Quantum Leap episode, and he did, you know, a ton of uh, film and television, just bouncing back and forth um, between the two, and uh, you know, again, just continued on uh, all the way through up until this past year, right before his death, um, doing a guest spot on Madam Secretary, and then in a film called Inheritance, uh, which it looks like that might have actually been. Um, an internet release or streaming release. I gotcha. Um, anyway, yeah. So uh, I, I mean, t- it's it's obviously hate to have to 
give an obituary when we're talking about these actors, but uh, but no, I th- I think he does I think he does a really great job. Um, you know, he really gets to only basically play one level. He's not given a lot of opportunity, but it makes sense given the circumstances. So for, for sure, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate his work in the episode. Yeah, do we want to step back and do just like a little synopsis of the episode in case the listener has not uh, seen this episode in a while? Yeah, man. Why All right. Uh, great. So I'll, I'll just take this uh, straight off uh, IMDb here. Uh, so Sam leaps in the body of Jesus Ortega, a death row prisoner who is about to be executed. A last minute stay of execution gives Sam 48 hours to prove that Ortega is innocent. With the secret assistance of an assistant district attorney, Margarita Larea Tersa, who thinks he's innocent, he has submitted an appeal to the governor. All of this doesn't sit well with Theodore Moody. The DA who convicted him, who was also now a candidate for governor. Ortega was convicted of robbing a church and killing a priest, but he and his accomplices deny having anything to do with the killing of the priest. Unless Sam can figure it out, not only will Ortega die in the electric chair, but Tersa will be disbarred. The key is that there is someone else Sam is supposed to save. And this was written by Gary KMCD on IMDb. Thank you so much, Gary. Yeah, you know, um, it is interesting because it does some, I feel like the episode, it can get a little lost in the shuffle, um, that this leap is just as much about the, yeah, I I don't want to say say saving Jesus because we know how it ends, but um, as it is about saving Terrence's career. Sure. And that that does, I, I feel like, understandably so get a little bit lost in the shuffle of the rest of the episode but i think it's worth noting that you know it's just as much about saving her career um as it is anything else because i think we're given the notion that you know what she's going to do as an attorney is important sure and i think that that's cool um do you want to take a second real quick just because we have to um we have to admit i don't know about you but my notifications on twitter have started to kind of uh, blow up a little bit, and part of that is due in fact that our special guest on next week's episode has just retweeted a tweet that we did, and so we're getting a bunch of likes off of that, which is very nice and very sweet. Oh, that is um, fantastic! Yeah. So, 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 you know, again, just because we're crazy here and doing things all out of order, uh, uh, Dennis went to school with. We've mentioned this before. The wrestler Leva Bates, and she's going to be joining us for Heart of a Champion, um, which we're thrilled about and uh i've met her a couple of times before just with my with my other uh, wrestling podcast so uh should be a heck of a lot of fun um and and we're really looking forward to that and uh yeah if you're on twitter you know make sure you give her a follow and uh play along because we probably have some interesting conversations spiraling out of this Um, yeah i'm looking forward to recording that uh and and just yeah we're recording this on sunday evening and we're recording this one tomorrow night so yeah 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 one two punch yeah uh but now back in to darker territory, the death penalty. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> now, so yeah, uh, you do. You get the sense that Terrence is going to do really good things in the you know in that arena, and, and that you know God, time, fate, or whoever probably wants a champion for good on that particular subject. Yes. Yeah. And let's talk about uh, the other main player, Theodore Moody. Played by James Sloan, which this this is your territory Theodore because again, we are we are uh, a major player 
in in the DS9 universe. That's right. Yeah, everyone knows how excited I get when I you know can talk about DS9. So uh, James Joseph Sloyan was born February 24th, 1940 in Indianapolis, Indiana. I mentioned that because uh, I lived in Indiana for quite a while before moving to Chicago. Um, but amidst all of his many, many credits, and there are a lot of them, um, going all the way back to um, 1970, um, and he had a run on Star Trek Deep Space Nine as Dr. Mora. Uh, Dr. Mora was a fairly important character because he's one of those rare characters in Star Trek, although it happened more often in DS9 than any of the other shows, that gets talked about in episodes that he's not actually in. Because he was the first scientist to examine Odo when Odo came through, when they found Odo the changeling after he came through the wormhole, um, you know, when he was young. Uh And there's some really, really interesting things that happen in the episodes that he's actually in that raise all sorts of ethical questions about you know, basically his right to study Odo and how he studied Odo. And, you know, did he cross any lines, basically, um, in, in studying this this new creature? Sure. Um, you know, potentially inflicting pain and, and sheltering him and, and keeping him from realizing his full potential as a changeling. Um, I, I mean, I... I I think obviously this episode is is clear that he's very good at playing the heavy. And while Doctor Moore is not necessarily considered the heavy, and in fact, in some of his you know appearances, he's actually very um, benevolent at first. And, and then you start to kind of see the darker side of the relationship with him and Odo. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, tons of stuff. You, you know, again, going back to the early 70s, did lots of television. Uh, you know, Matlock, MacGyver, um, Murder, She Wrote. Uh, in fact, actually, when, on Murder, She Wrote, he had uh, seven episodes um, and it played the same character more than once, which is not always something we see in our episodic television. Uh, he also was on Next Generation, did a couple of episodes there, uh, one episode playing a Romulan, another episode playing a Klingon. That's not always something that every actor gets to do, so that's cool. Uh, did the X-Files, did Star Trek Voyager, NYPD Blue, so on and so forth. Um, and most recently, actually, um, did a stint on The Young and the Restless. However, that was from about 17 years ago. Um, so he's not done, it seems, quite as much um, the past 15 years. Uh, at least in film or television, it's entirely possible he could be doing theater. Or sure. Maybe he's just tending a garden. I don't know. Point is, he's got a great career, and uh, I think any DS9 fans, you know, will probably be able to recognize him. Um, and if if you're not a fan of DS9, why, why, why not? So <laughs> there was so uh, me not being as experienced in DS9. Would you say that Odo is the data of DS9? And how they and how they use that character to explore how uh, how other characters treat something different that is not quite human. Because they did that a lot with know, Data on Next Generation. Yeah, the thing is, is I would argue that with both Spock and Data, they did that more. Mm-hmm. With Odo, it happens. Far less. There are a couple of episodes, and there's one episode, like, very early on, like, literally the second or third episode of the series, that is very much that. But it it goes away from that, and they treat Odo much more as sort of a cynical, jaded, 
detective. He's he's like the Humphrey Bogart of the space station in a lot of ways. Ultimately. Sure. Okay. Um, they do a lot of interesting things with his character, and there are certainly times when you get the you know he he feels more alien than other episodes. But the thing that's interesting about him is he was raised around Bajorans and Cardassians and humans, so he you know he might be a different species, but yet he's not you know he grew up around them. So it's it's interesting. So that's not entirely untrue what you said, but it, but they do a little bit more with him actually. I think mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, um, I gotcha. Yeah, uh, yeah. Speaking, of, uh, I, I saw this. I almost shared this on your wall earlier this week. Speaking of DS Nine, do you know the, the the meme that's around of, of somebody sitting at a table in a courtyard and it's hot take statement change my mind? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So th- so there's one of uh, someone has photoshopped in Captain Picard sitting there with his Earl Grey tea. Oh boy! And the sign in front says, "Deep Space Nine is cheers in space." Change my mind. <laughs> Oh man, that's funny though because actually Quark's bar they do they 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 pay homage to Cheers because there's a character who's always at the bar called Morn, which is an anagram of Norm, and that was kind of the tip of their hat. That yeah, that is amazing. Yeah, but anyway, meanwhile back uh, on uh, Fates Wide Wheel, a quantum yeah, quantum right, leaps. exactly, uh, Quantum Leap. So a um, couple of other actors worth mentioning real quick: Christopher Allport, um, who plays. Um, uh, 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 Ripley. Alan Ripley, yeah, um, Mr. He, Ripley, yeah. He unfortunately also is no longer with us. Um, oh, we had such a good run last I episode. Know, I, I guess if there's ever an episode where you know people checked out early on us, it would be this one. He unfortunately passed away at the age of sixty uh, in 2008. However, he also amassed quite a career uh, prior to that, um, and uh, you know a lot of TV. In fact, mostly television. Um, from what I'm seeing here, he had runs on Felicity, Young and the Restless. Again, comes up guest spot on Chicago Hope, which as we've talked about before may have been the far superior of the two hospital shows that came out in the early 90s. I think so, ER yeah. in Chicago home. History, um, will, history will validate that. Yeah, right, maybe. I don't know. Nobody's going to ever remember Chicago Hope. It's not on DVD, Blu-ray, or streaming, so we're screwed. Nah, that's um, true. Murder, She Wrote, X-Files, um, you know, just, just again, uh, all the usual suspects, except, however... For Star Trek, no Star Trek. He did uh, uh, have a. Uh, oh, that's right. Ah, that's where I recognized him. Man, I knew I recognized him, and I didn't put it together until right now. He's in the pilot of China Beach. He plays a character named Elliot Indicott, and he's um, he's quite a son of a bitch, actually. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He, he he tries to t- he takes Cherry uh, out in a jeep into the middle of the jungle in the middle of the night, and. Um, you know, basically tries to do something that we've been talking a lot about lately here in the real world, and, yeah. uh, which apparently doesn't have any fucking consequences whatsoever. None, um, no, it's over. Yeah. So, you know. Uh, but hey, it's all right, because we get to see Republican senators post tweets of pictures of themselves drinking beer to celebrate, because, you know, he likes beer. Yeah. I don't know if you know that or not, Dennis. He likes beer. He likes beer. Ah. <sighs> So, anyway, (laughs) um, and then last but certainly not least, let us mention um, Michael Holden, uh, who plays the role of Herb Stein. And uh, again, uh, you know, another guy that you probably recognized uh, and with good reason. Um, He has 
done, you know, a lot of television, some film here as well. Um, NCIS, CSI, NYPD Blue. Uh, he had a run on season two of 24, um, guest spot on West Wing. Uh, two guest spots on Chicago Hope, so we get to bring that back. Um, he was also on Lois and Clark. Um, yeah, again, a guy that you would probably recognize, um, Mm -hmm. but you know, nothing that really, I guess, stands out. Uh, he did, however, have an eight episode stint as Joe on Cheers. Oh, wow. Okay. So we're tying it all together. Yeah. And let's not forget, we talked about her off mic. I don't think we've actually talked oh, about her Oh, God, mic. you're uh, right. I'm sorry. You uh, were talking uh, about she, her off mic and I completely... Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Jenny Gago, who plays Teresa. Who, like, yes. I, I, I felt like I've seen her in more and she has been in a lot. Uh, I, I just haven't seen her in a lot, but, uh, yeah, she struck me as very familiar, but yeah, she did a couple episodes of sense of anarchy, uh, which I'm more familiar with. She's done some NCIS. She's done, you know, the, the Belisario shows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, lost and alias, uh, also, um, which those two shows are, are more connected than some people probably think, uh, we were talking about this earlier. She's actually also in an episode of the West wing, um, which is one of, one of my favorite episodes, actually, uh, the Indians in the lobby, um, which is uh, a pretty good episode from, I believe the second season. Um, but yeah, uh, just lots of television. Um, she was also in the television, uh, version of dangerous minds. Um, all 17 episodes of it. Um, so, yeah. Oh, and we mentioned this earlier off mic, Alien Nation. She had a stint on Alien Nation, as well as one of the TV movies. Um, another show that doesn't get nearly enough love. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so that's our, uh, that's our cast right there. Let's, let's dive into picking this, uh, show apart. Let's do it. Yeah. So, what, so are some, what are some of the great moments of this episode? There's a lot. There really are. Um, I, you know, I was speaking earlier about the storytelling um, and, and the simplicity and the economy of it. Uh, one of my favorite shots, uh, funny enough, in the entire episode is when Sam is brought back to his cell, yep. and there's this there's this pan down, and and you see in the boxes that they've started packing up. Um, which also tells a great little bit of the story. You know, I mean, this guy was supposed to be dead. They're packing his stuff up from his cell. You know, they're clearing it out for the next guy. Mm-hmm. And in these boxes, you see these law texts and notebooks. And, you know, you immediately get this picture of, like, this guy has been has been studying, has been working, has been doing something, has been trying to save his life, his mm-hmm. own life. Um, and that's a thread that Sam picks up on quite furiously. And there's a couple of times where... Um, you know, we see Sam writing on, on legal pads and, um, you know, passionately arguing with Teresa and, and just doing everything he can to save himself. Um, you know, Scott gives just really a a powerhouse performance in this episode. And I, and, and I feel like the episode is really, really, really good. I don't know if it's as great as some of the other great episodes that we've talked about, um, but the stakes, I don't know, have ever been higher for Sam Beckett. And Scott's performance matches that. You know, I was going to say, like, yeah, when that, that first scene, like, he really digs in. He's looking through the books. and He's writing on the legal pad, like you mentioned. I remember um, going back to season two, So Help Me God. 
and how like at the time that they filmed that episode, Quantum Leap was still very much on the bubble. They didn't know if they were going to get picked up for a second season. They may be, and they may have been in the situation at that point where like you know who knows if they were going to even get the second half of the second season. You know, yeah. uh, and I remember um, Deborah Pratt making the comment that Bacula did such a great job in that episode that if Quantum Leap got canceled, she just wanted to do a legal drama. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I thought about I that. You saying like, that yeah. yeah, very much. Uh, yeah, it's like he's he's played lawyers on Boston Legal and Desperate Housewives. Uh, yeah, it would be interesting to see Scott Bakula in a legal drama. Well, with all the reboots and remakes, why not, you know, and we know he does accents because of NCIS New Orleans. If they ever get around to doing that Matlock reboot, you can just, you know. <laughs> Scott Bakula is Matlock. I would, I, hey, man, I would watch the shit out of that show. Uh, I bet, yeah, I bet a lot of people would. That would and be. And if Belisario gave them the rights to use clips from So Help Me God, they could be like, that was young Matlock. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, um, but yeah, 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 yeah. He's great in this episode, um, and, and you mentioned before, like the 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 scene with Raúl at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I was uh, I live tweeted as I watched the episode last night and said like the best episodes of the show like really let the guest stars shine, and I feel like like you said like he has nowhere to go but eleven out of yeah. ten, um, but he does just a, a great job in that scene. Um, also like carrying an emotional punch, but also like he's got some storytelling to tell. Cause basically like he, he is setting up the events of the entire episode. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is an exposition salad. Yeah, no, it is. And, 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 and I think that he, he does it incredibly well. I, I the, the scene that happens a little later when Sam is pleading with him to tell him, the story of that night, because, you know, it's this great moment as we of course know that Sam doesn't know what happened that night because he wasn't actually there, mm-hmm. you know, but Jesus was. And so, you know, when Raul has to go over what happened and why things happened, it's, it is it's some great, great storytelling. And the fact that just as much of that scene, if not more, frankly, is on Sam, on Scott Bakula's face when he's just listening, taking sure. this in. Yeah. Is, you know, it, it, to me, that's a testament to both actors because we don't lose anything from Raul. He's able to tell the story, you know, completely, even though he's not necessarily on screen for all of that time. And we're able to see how it's affecting Sam. Sure. Um, yeah. The, you know, and then, of course, the later stuff, once once it looks like they're they are both going to, to die, um, you know, again, he's just incredible again. there, being, you know, at, at both, you know, furious and, you know, just terrified and and heartbroken all at the same time uh and i think he you know again he he just carries that off incredibly well the guest stars in general though are very very strong for this episode you know Mm -hmm. terrace is great um moody is great the whole the whole district attorney's team i mean all three of those guys are really good and there's there's, i I don't know what it is because i'm not like a, a set expert or a film expert but expert by any means it's just the way the the few scenes that we have in the district attorney's office yeah the way they're shot it it just yeah uh i i feel more than anyone like oh yeah i feel like i'm in 1971 
everything from the establishing shots, the way it's shot, it just, uh, and other episodes, they seem to just have like some very basic shot set up just to, to convey the idea of the time period. I don't know why, like, yeah, the way those scenes are shot, I just really enjoyed and really no, felt I, like we were definitely in that time period. It's funny you mentioned that because I thought the same thing. There's, there's a couple of scenes, you know, that, I mean, not only those, but also one of the ones that's in the, um, the holding cell when, uh, Teresa and Sam are talking and it's this great shot where Al is in the foreground and you really only see like his shoulder and sort of his back. Yeah. Um, and then in the, you know, in the background, Sam and Teresa are there kind of in front of the window and it's just a great shot. Um, you know what it is? It, I just figured it out especially the district attorney scenes, I feel like they shot those scenes to make it look like how those kind of shows were shot Mm. in the 1970s. Well, one of the things, yeah, I, I, I don't, I'm not disputing that, but one of the things that I wonder too, is I always feel like I'm in the room, you know, this, this, this episode, the way that shot, it makes you feel like you're there with them. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, you know, and it's, it turns voyeuristic and, and, and also, um, immersive. Um, and, and, and I really appreciate that. I I, I think that, you know, we've got to give credit to Michael Martin because clearly he, you know, I mean, he had two Emmys for cinematography and he's directing this episode. I, you know, he knew what he was doing. Um, and I just can't help but think that that has a lot to do with it because I was thinking the same thing, the way the episode is shot um, from start to finish. Also, even like even the shot of the executioner's hand going, you know, to the, um, to the switch and coming down. I mean that like, it's all very well done. Um, I think that uh, Al in this episode, other than, you know, drooling over Teresa a little bit, um, There's this great, like great. I say great not because I think it's great, but great is it like because it's Al uh, moment where he's you know getting the rundown on Ziggy about on the hand link rather from Ziggy about Teresa and he's like she's single like as though as though Sam A needs to know that B is in a position to do anything about it whatsoever and like mm-hmm. it's important information like what but but he highlights the fact that she's single he uh, yeah. Yeah, he does. But he's got some great costumes in this episode. He does have some. Yeah, uh, he has some great lines. Uh, I never knew there were there were lawyers with morals. Yeah, does that line? Oh, I I do have this. uh, I I wrote this down last night. Um, It's the first scene where where he shows up and and Sam is yelling at him because like, why weren't you here sooner? I almost died. And he's like, it's not like you're lost in a mall. Yeah, you're lost in time. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, Al's, Al's very good. The script is very good. I mean, the script is very, very good. Um, the episode, you know, kind of flies by and the only time it takes a moment is when I think Teresa goes to the church Uh and because of the setting and because of, I mean, there's just a lot about it that even though I think you can identify that things are slowing down a little bit, it doesn't hurt the pace of the episode at all it's kind of like the breath we all need sure i forgot how fast this episode moves yeah um speaking of the church the the name of the little girl in the church was she maria i thought so yeah uh because i was looking to because we kind of skipped over her on imdb but i don't yeah i think her her only credit is quantum leap is this episode Yeah. Uh, But yeah, she, uh, I think we may have said this, we said this at the beginning. I had totally forgotten 
about her in that scene. Um, I, I had even forgotten the aspect that Sam had to get Teresa to go to the church so Al could center in on her brainwave so he could do what he needed to do. And then on top of that, I was watching the episode last night. I was like, well, how the hell does he get her attention? I thought it was going to be like one of those like magical things, kind of like color of truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the last minute, he just gets Miss Melanie's attention. Uh, I forgot that they, they, that they used the little girl through the, through the loophole of, you know, little kids can see Al. Right. And that's how, and I love, uh, Dean Stockwell does a very good job with this of like, he has to give the quick bit of exposition explaining how the little girl is able to see him, uh, in case, you know, if you're just tuning in for the first time. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, but he does a very good job of like dropping those lines in really quickly. Oh, that's why you're innocent children under five, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, we have we have the great moment of uh, of Al getting to play detective, and we've seen that more in the last recent episodes. And uh, I really enjoy that them using Al in that way. Yeah, I know. I, I completely agree. Uh, it, it 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 raises you know just raises his level of involvement and and necessity. Yeah, you know, he 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 feels. I mean, he's always going to feel necessary, but he's not just there to deliver information. Now he's actively engaging in whatever task Sam has to accomplish. And, and, and I think that that um, it makes him feel like even more of a team, you know, and I, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, I, 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 I think that there's just a lot that's that's just really you know, right on the money with this episode. Um, and uh, there's not, frankly, I don't really have any criticism for it. Um, I don't, I mean, let's talk about some other, I, I do have some criticism for the end, but let's uh, talk about okay. other great moments. And of course we have Moody, uh, who is just, just a perfect jerk throughout this entire thing, especially when we get to the scene where, he comes in, he busts Teresa and Jesus slash Sam together. Uh, Teresa's going to be disbarred. Like that whole exchange, that entire scene. And then he, he stays behind to torment Sam and ask him if he is going to dance yeah. on his way to his execution. Uh, and we get the explanation of where the, where the episode's title comes from. Right. Yeah, and, and, you know, the, the, it, it is interesting because he's 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 a menacing character, you, you know, for for obvious reasons. The thing is, is he never feels like a mustache twirling villain, and part of the reason why is because in the past two weeks we've seen people exactly like him in the news, and he's so concerned with power. And getting that power that he's willing to do whatever it takes to get that. Mm -hmm. And while I'm not going to go so far as to say that he is culpable um, for these people's deaths, I will even give the character the benefit of the doubt in thinking that he started from a good place, thinking that he was doing the right thing by putting these men on death row. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that once he realized that by doing that, he could get those hardline conservative votes in a state that was filled with those people. And he mentions it. You know, that's something else that's very atypical for this episode of Quantum Leap. We 
obviously see through the course of two and a half plus seasons that this is a show that is not afraid to get a little political. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually when it does, it does so on the side of more progressive liberal ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, this character comes right out towards the very beginning and, you know, is chastising the liberals um, for not wanting capital punishment and, you know, knowing that the conservatives do want it and saying that there's more conservatives in the state than there are liberals, you know, and his team is supporting him, telling him, don't worry, you're going to become governor, you're going to be okay. Again, we have seen his ilk a lot lately. Um, and it is... It is. It strikes a pretty raw nerve at this particular point for mm-hmm. me. Um, I think I've told this story before. I don't know if I've told it on the podcast, but I know I've told it to you before because I know I mentioned it when we were um, doing fault lines. Um, I haven't believed in capital punishment or the death penalty since I was probably about 13 or 14 years old. Growing up, it was easy to see things in a pretty black and white manner to think that if somebody kills someone, they deserve to die. When I was younger, it probably didn't even have to be that. It was probably pretty easy to just consider that life was forfeit for a certain level of crime. One night uh, when I was living in North Carolina, there was a man who was about to be executed, and it was all over the news, and they were trying to see if there would be a stay of execution uh, and whatnot. And... It had come to the point where even the family of the person that he had killed were, you know, saying that they didn't wish for him to be executed. And there are all these protesters outside and there's people saying that, you know, and my grandfather was sitting there watching the news with me. And I remember turning to him and saying something to him about, you know, how obviously if somebody had done that you know, to my family or my family member, I, you know, I probably would want to see him executed as well. And what did he think? And my grandpa said, Samuel, I've seen enough death in my lifetime. I don't need to see any more. And that was revelatory for me. Uh, you know, there are certain moments in our life where it is not hyperbole to say they were life changing moments. And that was a life changing moment for me. Uh-huh. And I'm not saying it all happened right then and there, but it definitely changed my way of thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, And that shift would continue. Um, And I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't believe in it. I haven't believed in it for 20 plus years. I think what we've seen over the past few years uh, in particular has been disgusting and morally wrong on every level, especially with the idea that they are basically turning to the black market to get the chemicals that they need to inject into these people in order to take their lives away for something that in some cases they may not have even actually done. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe in an eye for an eye anymore. Um, and I think that an episode like this um, drives that home in many ways. Mm -hmm. And part of it has to do with the fact that at the end of this episode, in spite of Jesus saving Raul and in spite of, or Sam rather saving Raul and saving Terce's job, um, and kind of ruining the governor or, or soon to be governor, 
um, that Jesus still dies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not right. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's none a, of us should have that right. Yeah. So, so first off, uh, you didn't share that story during Fault Lines because I would have remembered. Uh, thank you for sharing that. I, I know we, we talked a lot about, you know, everybody's strong feelings about capital punishment. And to jump back, uh, we mentioned this last week on the episode, uh, Fault Lines is a show that, that Sam and I met working on. He was uh, in the show and I directed the show. And to not dive deep into the plot, uh, it did involve someone being executed. Uh, so we did talk a lot about – I know we talked a lot about, like like you were saying, like the black market for chemicals for lethal injection because in that show – the person was executed by way of lethal injection. Um, so, uh, yeah, you did not, yeah, share their personal story about your, uh, about your grandfather. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Uh, but yeah, my, yes, my gripe with this episode is not quite, but almost, it's almost played for a laugh at the end of the episode. When when it's like, okay, well, everything's wrapped up, but we're still doing this execution. Mm. And it uh, maybe not for a laugh. I don't know if for a, for a laugh is the right way, but it's, but it's almost uh, – if not for a laugh, it's just the way that you have to trade a life for a life. Like for Sam to live, he has to leap out. So the uh, – so the – quote unquote correct person can come back and be executed. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I feel like the episode doesn't quite make the statement that maybe I wish that it had on capital punishment. Sure. I don't think that the episode ends in such a way that it condones it, especially from the look on Tirsa's face when she's looking at Sam right before he's about to be executed, you know, after he's confessed. But there is absolutely an element of, well, he saved the other guy who didn't do it, and he made sure that this woman's going to have a really great career, but he killed the priest, so he's got to die. Yeah. Um, I just don't, I just... It's just not. It's yeah. It's not right. It's, it's a, not right. and uh, you know maybe to provide context. Uh, context if you're a younger listener of this show, where capital punishment is kind of controversial now. I feel like in the early to mid '90s, it really was a hot button issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember well, it, it being discussed and argued about a lot more. I remember. Um, and this may have been in the late nineties, there was a made for TV movie called witness to the execution, uh, starring, uh, Tim Daly of wings fame. Um, or that's what he was most popular for at the time where it took place in a near future where, um, the first execution was going to be shown live on TV, unpacking like the, the, the ethics of that. Um, so like I, like I said, in, in light of everything else that we're arguing about politically and socially these days, capital punishment, people do still very strongly about, but you don't hear that discussion happening in the news all the time like you did then. So I feel like especially uh, this was a hot button. I, I don't think it caused a lot of controversy at the time, but it definitely it was 
it was tapping into a hot button issue just by doing a show with uh, with Sam being someone on death row. Yeah, um, it, it is very interesting, and it's actually mentioned in the trivia section on IMDb as well, um, that one of the things that the episode doesn't touch on is that at this particular time, there was actually a legal debate that was ongoing um, in this country because there was a case before the Supreme Court, Furman versus Georgia, um, and it, it was actually at that time that the Supreme Court struck down all death penalty schemes um, in a decision five to four. And unfortunately, there would end up being um, an overruling of that when Greg versus Georgia uh, in 1976 decided to allow the death penalty. Um, so even at the time that this episode was set, there there was a pretty big debate going on. Um, Justice Potter Stewart wrote this, and, and I'd like to read it real quick because I think that it's it kind of says a lot of you know, what I feel, um, in a much better way. These death sentences are cruel and unusual in the same way that being struck by lightning is cruel and unusual. For of all the people convicted of rapes and murders in 1967 and 1968, many just as reprehensible as these, the petitioners are among as capriciously selected random handful upon whom the sentence of death has in fact been imposed. My concurring brothers have demonstrated that if any basis can be discerned for the selection of these few to be sentenced to death, it is the constitutionally impermissible basis of race. But racial discrimination has not been proved, and I put it to one side. I simply conclude that the 8th and 14th Amendments cannot tolerate the infliction of a sentence of death under legal systems that permit this unique penalty to be so wantonly and so freakishly imposed. That's another thing we haven't touched on yet in this episode, too, because, you know, Jesus and Raul are minorities. That is true. Um, And overwhelmingly, the death penalty is imposed on minorities. Um... I don't know. I'm not the per- the right person to articulate this. It just makes so little sense in my mind that I don't know how to communicate to someone how absurd it is that we do this to people. Mm-hmm. And I wish that there was a way that it could be done. But at this particular point, I'm so tired after the past couple of weeks of trying to figure out a way to communicate something that makes so much sense to me that doesn't seem to make sense to other people. Mm-hmm. And it's, 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 we've reached a point where it's so difficult to open that conversation because we're so far apart that we can't find any sort of common ground at all. Mm-hmm. And it's so frustrating it's so frustrating because that's what I would love to do. You know, the compassionate, empathetic person in me would love to be able to find a way to have this conversation with somebody that doesn't see it this way uh-huh. and, and try to just, you know, find some kind of, of, of common ground about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but sadly, you know, there in, in this particular instance, it's interesting given the context of 1971 and the fact that there was a discussion happening in this country about it, that that is something that's not mentioned in the episode. And we could just chalk that up to, you know, potential oversight, you know, to the writers and and, just not, not thinking about it too much. Um, but well, I mean, it's also, it's like it, you know, it was a very hot button episode or hot button like issue at the time in 1971 and 1972, but it had been, maybe the writers figured that there are, the, the 20 years later that either most people wouldn't remember that or it was, it was just too much to discuss in one episode. Mm. Um, 
I mean, yeah, now, now you say that, like, I could, I could imagine another version of this episode where we get a version of Al who is very informed about these things, and he goes on on a little tangent. Uh, he goes on a rant about how it is mostly minorities who are executed on death row, which, like you said, it, it, it is an observation that, that that I didn't make watching the episode, but, like, they don't touch upon that at all yeah. in the episode. Um, I mean, if anything, it's all about, you know, like the situation of the moment. It's, it, it's a race against the clock to, to save Sam so that he's yeah. the one not executed. You know, I would argue though, that they do in a, in a very graceful and subtle way without making it the top, you know, the, 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 the import of the episode. I do think it gets touched on a little bit, especially because Teresa has the conversation with Sam uh, at one point talking about how she felt like she'd turned her back on her people, you know, coming True. from Cuba. And, and so I, I think that it's that, that it, it, it's at play within the episode, but you're right. It's not highlighted in any way, which I think is to the benefit of the episode, because you're right. It really heightens the tension um, of the episode overall. Uh, and, and, and again, I think that, you know, the observant viewer listener will be able to pick up on those things. Um, I would think, um, yeah, I think it's worth noting that um, most nations, as of 2018, have indeed abolished the death penalty. Mm-hmm. However, the nations that still have it comprise over 60% of the world's population. Uh, and those, of course, include China, India, the United States, Indonesia, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Japan, and Sri Lanka. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. The United Nations has adopted resolutions in 2007, 2008, 2010, 2012, and 2014 calling for a global moratorium on executions. Obviously, we're not listening. No. But hey, we don't listen to much they say these days anyway. So, hey, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I was thinking about this earlier today, you know, like, talking about how, like, how do we have this conversation and, and explains this to people, you know, on the other side of the aisle. Like, let's just say specifically talking about the death penalty is I, I feel like most white people don't understand. They don't acknowledge that, that a lot of these things happen. It, it, you know, people are in People of color are imprisoned at a much higher rate than white people. People of color and minorities are executed for their crimes in a much higher proportion than white people. Uh, and I think most white people don't understand that. And that's why we get very much like, well, if you did something bad, you gotta, you gotta be punished for it. And if that's, you know, and if it's, uh, you know, if it's something as heinous as murder, then, you know, like you said, it's an eye for an eye thing. And it's just a very black and white thing to them. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. It is. And it's, um, it's frustrating, because I think there's there's actually an episode of Boston Legal. Um, mm, I know exactly the episode you're talking about. Yep. There 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 are a couple that that do touch on it, but there's there's one that I'm thinking of where, um, you know, at the end of of Boston Legal, there are these scenes where you know Alan Shore, played by James Spader, and Denny Crane, played by William Shatner, are sitting out on the balcony, smoking their cigars, drinking their scotch, and um, they usually you know, kind of sum up the, the episode and, and talk mm-hmm. a little bit about, you know, current events. Uh, and at one point, you know, Shatner turns to Spader and says, you know, do you mean to tell me that if somebody murdered your family that you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to kill them? 
or you wouldn't want to see them dead. And, and James Spader says, I'd want to pull the trigger myself, but that's why I don't get to decide. Yeah. And you know, that's the, that's, that's kind of the key there. It's mm-hmm. the idea that like, it's not, I'm not negating anyone's feelings of, of, uh, you know, their desire for some sort of revenge, you know, some reciprocity. I'm not, I'm not, trying to deny those feelings for anyone because those feelings exist and they're very, very real. What I'm trying to say is, is that we should never, ever have that right. Cause ultimately what separates us from them in that case, uh-huh. you know, what, what, what really separates anyone? Cause it's at the end of the day, if you're executing someone, it's premeditated murder. That's all it is. Uh-huh. You can dress it up, call it anything you want. You know, uh-huh. again, it's the same thing as many soldiers that I've spoken to, including my grandfather, who was a soldier in world war II. He, he, you know, he saw no difference between what he did and what, it, you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's at the end of the day, you're taking another human life. Yeah. And that should not be in the realm of our thing. Yeah. Yeah. What, what I, what I can say to it's, uh, yeah, we're on, we're on the same page as that, but to, to provide an alternate point of view, I guess, is I grew up in a very conservative religious community, uh, in Southern Illinois. And I remember reading, um, uh, it was some book that, that one of my sisters had, uh, it was supposed to be like, take like, like the, the biblical side of hot button issues at the time. Um, and one, there, there was an entire chapter on capital punishment and the author of the book actually made the argument that capital punishment, that capital punishment is biblical and that it is righteous citing. Um, uh, I can't think of it now off the top of my head, but a Bible verse that basically says, if you commit premeditated murder, you have forfeited your right to life. It didn't really explain well the hypocrisy of, well, someone has to commit premeditated murder to, you know, carry out that execution. Um, but I guess to provide, yeah, some context of, of people who are on the on the other side of that debate. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that, you know, my counter would be that again, that your righteous anger is an emotion that will pass and lessen. If as a result of that, someone, anyone, regardless of what they've done, has to lose the most precious yet fleeting thing that we have as a result of that, as a result of it going back to biblical times, this strain of an eye for an eye being acceptable, then I think that's wrong. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> we uh we're, we're doing this by way of video chat and so you, you may be losing this losing this in the and listening to the episode but sam has some righteous anger going on right now <laughs> look on his face yeah um 
It's just you know, it's like you said. It's it it, it, it it's been it's been kind of a rough week, and, and yeah. to see the you know the chest thumping and 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 the celebrations and the the arrogance of it all, and to be able to equate it with Moody and the way that his character comes across in this episode, and indeed with the way that we have seen people come across when talking about something like the death penalty. And when you, you know, when you watch your Fox Newses, or when you fucking, you know, thank God we don't have to watch it anymore, but when you see the clips of your Info Wars or, you know, whatever the bullshit that's out there, and you see these people crowing about some sort of righteousness coming from the taking of another human life, regardless of the circumstances, I'm sorry, but if we are ever going to put someone to death, we should weep for it. We should mourn for it because we as a society have failed. We've created a situation where this person did this thing and we can't find a better way except to kill them. We might as well slit their throat in the public square and bathe our children in blood because at the end of the day, we are as savage as that, regardless of how we decide to put them to death. That is true. There is uh, there's an article that's going around on social media this week uh, talking about Trump and his administration and the decision that they're making and the support of his followers. By the way, if we had any conservative <laughs> listeners, we, oh, we, have lost, we have long lost them by now. Uh, and anyway. Um, but the, the, the title of the article is uh, called The Cruelty is the Point. And, and the article starts off with the writer, like, going back and summing up, uh, you know, um, pointing out, you know, actual pictures taken at public executions, you know, way long ago, decades ago. And, like, seeing people in the photos smiling at the executions. Like, people clamoring to make sure that they got in those photos celebrating the execution. Uh, I think by putting it into a, you know, putting them in the sanitary rooms and quote unquote humane ways, like, you know, by way of electrocution or lethal injection or blah, 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 whatever we've, we've kind of sanitized it in a way and told ourselves that we aren't, that we aren't celebrating these executions. Um, but I think maybe it's a story that we're telling ourselves. Yeah, I think um, so. Cause I, I feel, um, I, I could, I could totally see us being in a reality where if, if they did have public executions or if they did show them live on TV, there would certainly be an audience for it. Yeah. And would celebrate it. I'm reminded of when Saddam Hussein was hanged and the video leaked out and people were doing just that. And you know, my sister even you know, being one of them and, uh, mm. and it shook me, you know, not my sister's reaction. I mean, yes, that bothered me too, but just, sure the general feeling of jubilation or celebration, you know, mm-hmm. um, because it's just, again, I mean, there's, there's got to be a better way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you're right. I think that there is a, 
an appeal that has been made to these cruel recesses of our collective psyche over the past, you know, few years in particular in this country. And uh, a lot of people have, have bought in. Uh-huh. Um, and they're getting off on it, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and that's too bad. Yep. But you know what's not too bad? Bad. This episode. This episode. No, and the thing is, like, <laughs> like my, my one complaint with the episode is how it ends. Um, that Jesus' eventual execution after the climax of the episode, it's just a given. Mm-hmm. It's an afterthought. Yeah. Um, we don't have any time to to mourn this person's death because, like, it, it, it's trading a life for a life. Like, we hope Sam will leap out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it, it does. Uh, it does put you in kind of a watching the episode. You know, feeling uh, as strongly as we do about this topic, it does put you in a conundrum of like. Well, I, I I hope Sam isn't the one who dies. Yeah, no, I know. It, you, it, 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 what you just said really started to make me think about this episode. Um, there is there is a lot to like about this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, what I'm about to say is going to sound like an incredibly scathing indictment of it because what you're saying is absolutely true. This episode completely forgets about Jesus Ortega. It, it does nothing for his character, for this person at all. Mm-hmm. And I think the value that a character like Sam Beckett has put on other people's lives throughout the course of this show would not allow that. Mm-hmm. I think that Sam at some point realizing and 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 maybe we can chalk it up to his just being terrified of the situation that he's in mm-hmm. of wanting out with every fiber of his being, but I would like to think that somewhere along the way Sam Beckett would say it's not right. I, this isn't about me dying uh-huh. wrongly. This is about anybody dying. Uh-huh. You know, this isn't this isn't just as simple as me saying like, Jesus did it because it, really the episode does leave you with this thing of like it's like it's like a get out of jail free card, no pun intended, where it says, oh, you know what, Jesus really did do it, so it's okay if we kill him. Sure. And I think it does a disservice to him, and it does a disservice to the show, and it does a disservice to Sam. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, I, I can't say that if I was in Sam's situation that I would act any differently. Sure. You know, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I can't, uh, you know, I, I can't tell you to say, like, well, well, like, no, like, I don't want somebody else to die. I'll, I'll take the hit on this one. <laughs> right, right, right. No, and I definitely, yeah, I definitely don't mean that. I think it's more along the lines of, I'm just surprised, and again, I mean, the episode moves so well, and there's a lot in it, so, I, you know, you don't want to fill it too much, and it is a touchy subject, and I get that, and the fact that we're having this conversation about it is a testament to, you know, the quality of the episode overall, but the thing is, there's another layer that does get missed, which would have been interesting to see if Sam, at some point, realizing what was going to have to happen, which it's dumped on him at the last moment, of course, but he never stops to ask the question, why, you know, why do we do this period? Not this guy didn't do it. You shouldn't kill him, but you shouldn't kill him. Even if he did do it. Period. Yeah. 
Yeah, it is pretty much. And I, I posted this on, on Twitter last night that, uh, um, you know, Sam always does his best to save the day. But when he's the, when he's the one who's going to get killed, he yeah. goes to he goes to work. Oh, man. He, right? he earns his paycheck. I mean, the, yeah, the the the, yeah, the dark circles, the you know, just I mean, yeah, the hair, the five o'clock shadow, the which it is funny to think that somewhere between Last Dance for an execution, a heart of a champion, Sam gets a haircut. He does. <laughs> he ah, uh, yeah, that I don't know. The only thing I can speak to that I know uh, there is one of the novels. I think it may be the first novel, like Quantum Leap, the novel. They do kind of touch on that. Oh yeah, a little bit talking about because uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember the the writer of that novel. I had written a few other novels, uh, but um, um ignored the TV series conceit that Sam's full body holy right. leaps. And in those novels, like Sam mind his, his, his just his mind leaps. Uh, so in those books, Sam's body actually goes comatose in the waiting room between leaps. And I do think they talk about like how they, how they groom Sam. Sure. Shave him, give him a haircut. Yeah. Shave him. Like yeah, keep him, keep him maintained during those times. Sure. Sure. So maybe some variation on that. Uh, I can't mean we need to reach, uh, I think Carol Davis is her name. I don't think she, she's the author. Uh, Carol Davis wrote too close for comfort. Oh, okay. Yes. And, and she is in, uh, one of the quantum leap groups that we follow on Facebook because I've seen her commenting and I've been meaning to reach out to say, uh, Hey, we'd love to have you on the show. Um, awesome. So Carol, if you're listening, We'd love to have you on the show. <laughs> um, um, we start yeah. covering the we start covering the novels, right? Oh gosh, I know, man. How about that? Um, it's, it's getting more and more real as we careen towards the uh, the fifth season, mm-hmm. um, past the halfway point. Anyway, um, yeah, y- you know the other thing that that about the the ending of the episode that I found kind of interesting. Uh, is there is a part of me that wonders, was there ever any intent to have this episode leap into shock theater? Because the circumstances of the leap, Sam does not start to leap until the lever has been, you know, the switch has been flipped. I had forgotten that. Yeah. And it makes me wonder is it's like, man, the dovetail effect of that, of having him leap in and getting the shock treatment that causes him to spiral into all of the other identities that he's, you know, leaped into over the past Mm -hmm. three years. I don't know. There would have been something kind of interesting about that. And it would have given, it would have made the episode, this episode feel like it had consequences even beyond this because the leap into heart of a champion just kind of feels like, no, okay. Sure. I mean, it's basically, it basically gives us a a comedy leap, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. 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 Whatever. Uh, that's a really good point, and that would have harkened back to you know we talked about like the first like three or four episodes of the of the series entirely. Right. Like they were kind of playing with that conceit that whatever situation Sam was in as he leaped out would kind of dovetail and correspond with wherever he leaped into next. Like catching the football from uh, not the football, catching the baseball from Mikey at the end of the very first leap going into him catching the ball in the outfield in the latter yeah. part of the episode. That that would have been interesting. Huh. Yeah. 
And we're going to have a lot to unpack in shock theater now. We're talking about from just like the whole, ooh, yeah, uh, the ethics of, uh, the ethics of, uh, of that. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I, I think, I think luckily, and I say this hesitantly because I don't know for certain, but I do believe that that's something that we've gotten a little bit more of a handle on as far as that, that kind of specific treatment you know, certainly not how we deal with the mentally unwell, but, you know. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. A couple episodes. Uh, but before then, we have Heart of a Champion. We do have Heart of a Champion. So we'll talk a little bit about that in a second. But just before we get there, we, we, we've kind of, you know, broken format a little bit uh, um, with this one. But, um, you know, I think as far as Sam goes, I would just have to say the whole episode. I mean, Scott's great the entire episode. Um, Mm. you know, Al, I feel kind of the same way, especially the latter half of the episode after he stops drooling over Teresa, Uh, (laughs) you know, and, and the guest stars are great. Um, I mean, we've obviously, we've touched on the, um, you know, the historical ramifications of this with the, the, um, Furman versus Georgia case. Um, I don't know. Do you have anything else that you want to say about this? No, yeah, yeah, we did skip over, uh, where Sam has been. Uh, oh yeah, that, that new part of our format. So this is um, this is the first time I think that we've gotten where he doesn't like it's uh, like looking off the place off Al's place uh, that website. This is the first time we haven't had uh, like one of the novel or comic book stories bump up against Sam somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam only leaped into 1971 three times. Uh, that includes TV series, novels, and comics. Um, the the most previous time he was in 1971 was in February of 1971. It your favorite episode, Sam? Oh God, a portrait for Troyan. Right up there with Machiko, and uh, and we will see Sam again in December of 1971 in Promised Land. Ah, nice. Um, right that is here. from season uh, season five. Nice. Um. Yeah. It's interesting. There is the line, actually, you know, we, we, we didn't talk about mythology, which there's really not a whole lot, although we do get a mention of Dr. Beeks, Dr. Verbena Beeks, which is great because we're going to see her in a couple of episodes. We also get um, Al saying that, because we, we, you know, unfairly I was talking about Jesus and I didn't mention this. We do get a little bit of Jesus. Jesus thinks he's dead already in the, when he gets to the future mm-hmm. and he kind of goes into like a catatonic state. Um, and, uh, Al says the, the line, how, you know, he's 25 years in the future. So we're getting that affirmation that indeed Sam's home time is the mid nineties. Sure. Matt points out in his book that it it, technically it should have been 1997 in Sam's time, not 1996. Yeah. But I mean, obviously Al could just be easily just being like 25 years because we do that as humans all the time. Well, yeah, I mean, I feel like we get a lot of Al does that a lot, and it's always yeah, it's always like rounded up or rounded down to the nearest five, right? Right. <laughs> you know, it's always twenty five or thirty or blah blah blah. And Matt, uh, since we brought it up, he also makes a good point of uh, Verbena Bink, Verbena Beeks is mentioned for the first time in a while in this episode, and he kind of wonders was that done intentionally uh, to get you ready for her appearance in Shock Theater? Yeah. yeah. And she's someone, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, uh, 
she is not mentioned very much and you only see her twice throughout the course of the TV series, but she is a much bigger character in my head canon. Yeah. Without because, uh, she gets so much more to do in the novels. Yeah. And as we've talked before, um, if the show were to be rebooted today, you know, she would be in the main, in the main cast. Because, you know, I, I think you and I are in complete agreement that if the show were to be made today, there would be a nearly even split between time spent with Sam in the past and time spent at Project Quantum Leap in, in the present, if you will. Uh-huh. Um, so I think if we were to actually see that, you would see, you know, you, you would see Tina, you would see Gushy, you would see Dr. Beaks, you know, more than what we do in the course of, of our beloved original Pearl of show. I mean, yeah, you would have the whole team back at the project, and yeah. you would probably never see Al in the waiting room talking to the Leapy at all. It would always be Verbena. Right, right, absolutely. Maybe even communicating with Al via hand link, you know, to let him know that this is what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's it's interesting enough to fantasize about. You know how resistant I have been in the past, but you know, after your mention last week of Nick Offerman as Al, I just can't get it out of my head. <laughs> oh, no. I, I posted that on Twitter, and we got some strong reactions, and we even had some people unfollow us. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. We're, 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 we, it's not like we've got like the highest ratings ever. We need every follower we can get, but my God, that's that's priceless. No, no. no. Maybe I they mean, were Russian bots. I mean, here's the thing. If that's what caused you to unfollow us, you ha- you haven't been listening to the show. Uh, well, yeah, we're not for you anyway. Yeah, exactly. We're, it's a tie we, ad. So um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you you are. Uh, yeah, we're we're not your uh, we're not your bag. No. We ain't your cup of tea. Yeah. Um, um, but, but yeah, but uh, anyway, so yeah. So Sam, um, after everything that we have just talked about, does indeed leap out and finds himself being pelted with garbage, wearing a red singlet with a yellow Russian sickle on it. And uh, – it's funny because it looks like he leaps in in the middle of the the wrestler that he leaps into, like posing on the, on yeah. the ring apron, which is hilarious. Uh-huh. Uh, he gets tagged in, he gets thrown into the ring. Um, I cannot wait to talk about some of this with Leva because my initial reaction as a wrestling fan upon watching this is like the guy that's like picking him up in the airplane spin and everything feels much much more like a heel wrestler. In spite of the fact that we know, of course, because of the win of this, and he's playing a Russian, that he's supposed to be the bad guy. Yeah. But it's interesting, because that particular dynamic, you know, these days doesn't matter as much anymore, but there was a while there, especially when this episode was set, when Kayfabe dictated that heels never fought heels. That you could only have a heel, a bad guy, take on a baby face, a good guy. You couldn't couldn't cross the streams. Uh Uh-huh. So, oh god, I, I have a feeling this next episode I'm going to be mostly a spectator, and, <laughs> and it's going to be you and Leva. And I was like, when I was a kid, I loved wrestling, loved it. Uh, when the Rock and Roll Express, yes, lost. I can't remember what the name of their arch rivals were. I think it may have been Midnight the Midnight Express. Yeah, yeah, that was totally. Yeah, when they lost to them in a championship match, I remember being heartbroken. 
Um, and when, and when, uh, wrestling really had its resurgence in the late nineties, totally into that. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. uh, but yeah, I, I've kind of fallen off of it. So I, I'm interested to hear, uh, to hear, yeah, you, you and Leva go to town and I'll just, I will be the Ed McMahon to your, to your, <laughs> to your twos, uh, to your oh, twos, uh, swapping. I could never. I could never feel Johnny Carson's penny loafers. Uh, to throw that over. Um, but yeah. But yeah, yeah looking forward to, to, Me to next week's episode, which we're recording tomorrow night. I know, right? How to keep that square in our head. But I, but yeah, I'm very excited about this. It's been a while since we had a guest on in general, but the fact that we're getting a guest who, you know, uh, you know, not only is, is well, a celebrity, let's face it. Uh, but the fact that, that she, uh, is a professional wrestler and we're going to be talking about an episode where Sam leaps into a wrestler. It'll be a lot of fun. I think it'll be a lot of fun too, to talk about the line, the episode treads between sort of, you know, is wrestling real or is it not real? You know what I mean? Like it's, it's cause when the episode aired, when it was made, there was still kind of that element of like, we're, we're holding up the curtain a little, you know, as long as we possibly can here for some. So it'll be interesting to talk a little bit about that as well. Um, and for me personally, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's never the type of thing you can call fake when you think about what people do and what they go through for it. So, uh, but that's neither here nor there. Um, in the meantime, send us your hate mail at fates. Why we (laughs) (laughs) Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I will say for, uh, for other, uh, future guest starts, uh, we haven't reached out, but, uh, Claire, uh, a uh, Claire, Claire Feeney. Yeah, uh, she's going to be guest starting on some episode coming up here. Uh, she's guested on a few of our earlier episodes, and then uh, Karen Saxon on Facebook. She uh, she had expressed interest in guesting on. Speaking of shock theater, uh, shock theater. So we need to be reaching out to you, Karen, to uh, to get that to get that set up and ready to go. Awesome. Uh, but yeah, looking forward. Yeah, it's just because of. Uh, uh, with everything, we we both got it. We're both cu- juggling a, a couple of podcasts. Not to mention Parenthood. <laughs> Indeed, we're uh, we're flying by the flying by the seat of our pants a lot. Yeah, as often as we do this, I think Dennis and I have literally only seen each other in person once in the past like three months or so. The the last time I saw you is when I stopped by just for five minutes, just as you were all getting checked out of the hospital. No, you came to the open mic night. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Here's the thing: we're we're talking on camera so much on right. uh, Google Hangouts. I feel like that, I yeah. can just reach out and touch you. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the open mic night, but hey, uh, you know, before we before we before we wrap this all up and leap out of here, though, uh, how's Dad to the Future going, man? Tell us about that. Oh, uh, it, it's going pretty good. It's going pretty good. Yeah. Don't don't know what else to say about it. It's one of those. Uh, it, it being a, a very personal thing, where I tell a lot of very personal stories and uh, and stuff on there. Uh, yeah, it's going great. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I. Uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say about it other than that. It's going what's, good. What's the latest episode about that everyone should rush out and download right now? Uh, um, the 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 most previous episode I just talked about. Uh, you know, with everything going on in the news, um, I'm kind of dealing with it like uh, focusing on like how do how do Betsy and I raise Harrison uh, to know about principles of things like consent and bodily autonomy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just all about even though he's only 20 months old, like how we're already like trying to teach him like 
just like bodily autonomy uh, and consent, um, just even from a very young age. Uh, so just talking about that. Uh, that's like a short, like 20 minutes episode. Uh, and then most, uh, cause I sprinkle with like interviews, like very much like I did it with, uh, with you, one of the mm-hmm. early episodes. Uh, I talked to another friend of mine, uh, Alan, who has uh, two daughters out in Seattle. We had like a nice too long or a two hour long conversation. Just, uh, uh, just talking a lot about fatherhood. He, he's a very funny person. He's also a stand up comic. Uh, we talked especially like how he, uh, he trolls well-meaning people who give unsolicited parenting advice nice. when, he's not, when he's out in public with his daughters. Uh, so, so yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, this one, uh, this week, I'm just going to do a, a, a very uh, a lighter, more fun episode to kind of counterbalance the more serious episode. Uh, last week, I think I'll just be doing something about uh, the top five lessons I've learned from time travel shows, time travel movies. Uh, Is one of those time travel shows going to be Time Cop? No. <laughs> That's good. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure I could get very esoteric and, and talk about how same matter cannot occupy same space. Sure. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to take that as a challenge now and try to how can I how can I work that in? Uh, speaking of other time travel shows, we also say um, um, I do not keep up on the show as much as I should. Uh, but this is a big day for Doctor Who fans. Yes, it is because the new woman Doctor has debuted. That's right. Jessica and I have not watched it yet, but we will be doing so uh, pretty much as soon as you and I wrap up. I'm very excited. Where, where, if you don't have, where, where can I watch it at? Um, well, I don't know. I think if you have cable, you might be able to stream it on BBC America. Mm, Um, if you don't, then I'm pretty sure you'll be able to purchase the episode for like two or three bucks on Amazon or iTunes within the next 24 hours. Got it. Okay. Yeah. yeah it's, it, it's weird because the, the thing is, is that, um, the BBC actually puts it up on their website, but it's region locked. So you have to be in the United Kingdom in order to watch it, you know, because their whole thing is, is that their BBC is funded by the, the government. So the people already own it anyway, as far as they're concerned. Sure. Of course, it doesn't stop them from making DVDs and Blu-rays and selling it, but you know, sure. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's kind of, it's kind of like with uh, like any of the networks, you can go onto their website usually and watch like the latest two or three episodes of a show or whatever. It's similar to what they do with Got a lot it. of their TV shows. Um, I'm gonna have to try to track down because Doctor Who is one of those shows. Uh, I watched the first season of the of the the, the new series mm-hmm. starting in 2005, and I got about halfway through the second season, uh, and I just haven't given it the time. But like when I do watch it, it is objectively one of the best written episodes of on best written TV shows out there. Yeah. Uh, I, I just got to give it more time. The, uh, I, I have a feeling, um, that if you wanted to just start with the, the new one that you could do so pretty easily. I have, a, I, if I haven't really read too much, but from what I have heard, you know, leading into it, um, it sounds like they're, you know, they're really trying to kind of start fresh ish. Um, well, I, I'm, I'm sure, especially with them doing the groundbreaking thing of having a woman doctor, I'm sure what they're trying to do is pull in a lot of new viewers to the show who have never experienced Doctor Who at all. Yeah, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, it makes a lot of sense. I, I, I think um, it's strange because I know that, that for a long time um, there there have been 
talks about doing this. Like, even before the show started re-airing in 2005, there were people that were wondering, like, are we going to have a female doctor um, at some point? And and it's weird, because, you, you know, I, I will freely admit that there was a time when I was maybe a little hesitant to just completely be on board with it. And, and I think part of it had to do with the fact that it felt like they'd be doing it just for the sake of doing it. Sure. Um, and then somewhere along the way, I was just sort of like, nah, who cares why they do it? Like, just do it. I'd be interested. Yeah. Like, yeah. why the hell not? And I think that one of the reasons why I'm so interested is I'm interested to see how little changes. Cause I think that that's the important thing. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You know, sure. not like, not like, you know, she shows up and it's like, Oh, you're a woman now. It's like, no, just, it's the doctor. Who, yeah, just roll just, with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm excited to find it. Actually, I remember exactly the day that they announced this. Oh, really? Do you remember? No. You were probably preoccupied. It was the day after your and Jessica's wedding. Ah! Because uh, I remember uh, 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 me and Betsy and... Catherine and Scotty were driving back from Indianapolis and we, we stopped somewhere to get a bite to eat. And I remember like scrolling through my phone and that's when I saw it on Facebook. That's awesome. Yeah. That's to bring it around there. Yeah. Right. I, you know, the thing for me is, is I'm such a huge fan of the show. I've literally seen every single existing episode of Dr. Who, um, you know, as, as Matt pointed out when we interviewed Matt Dale, uh, uh, some months back, uh, he actually, I think this was actually off mic, but we were Skyping him in and he could actually see behind us onto my DVD rack. And he was like, is that a complete collection of every single doctor who on DVD? And I was like, yes, yes it is. And I'm such a freak about it that I, at one point, because I wanted to get them as soon as they were coming out, started buying them directly from the United Kingdom. So mm-hmm. I actually have a region-free DVD player so that I can watch them, you know, straight from the UK. But I have been, yeah, I've got all of them. I've watched all the new series. And I and I, I just am such a huge fan of the show. I love all of them, you know. I, I've, I People are like, who's your favorite doctor? And it's like, you know, part of me wants to just say Matt Smith because that seems easy to me. But then I think, well, but what about Peter Capaldi? I love him too. And I love David Tennant. And you know what? I love Chris Franklin. I love Tom Baker. And I love John Pertwee. And I love, you know, I just go on and on and on and on. Um, even some of the doctors that get kind of crapped on at times, like uh, Colin Baker uh, or Sylvester McCoy, um, you know, I, I, I think get a bad rap. And, and uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan. And, it, you know, the. These days, it's a little hard to be uh, such a a diehard fan because there's so much stuff out there besides just the TV show. Um, So it's hard to keep up on all of it. But um, I'm excited. I'm very, very excited. I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. All right. Well, I'm going to try to dive dive into that. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, But actually tonight, I will be watching Heart of a Champion. Yay! <laughs> in, prepara- in preparation for tomorrow. Uh, so I hope you'll uh, will join us next week. Again, we're going to have uh, wrestler Leva Bates. Yes. Good on the show. Current Shimmer Tag Team Champion. She and Delilah Doom. So, and I get to see them in a couple of weeks defend their oh, titles. I wish, yeah. We're, we're going out of town that weekend for a little mini vacation. I hate that, but. All right, man. I understand. Yeah. You know, not everyone can go somewhere as glamorous as the Berwyn Eagles Club. So, <laughs> hey, it's fancy. 
<laughs> All right. That's awesome. But on that note, should we wrap it up for next week? Yeah, let's leap out of here. Thank you, everyone, so very much. This has been kind of a strange, intense at times episode. Uh, but we appreciate you all, uh, regardless of whether or not you agree with us. And, um, (laughs) and we look forward to welcoming you back for heart of a champion next week. Dennis, what else you got? That's all I got. See you next time, everyone. Sleep out of here. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed what you've heard or have any questions or comments, don't be shy. Reach out to us online at www.quantumleappod.com or Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Fates Wide Wheel. And remember to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you may be listening. Until next time. Close.